find in your Bibles tonight the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 1. And I want to read uh, the opening few verses of the chapter with you, Numbers chapter 1, beginning to read at the first verse. And from these few verses, I want to preach on the subject numbered for war, set apart for worship. Numbered for war, set apart for worship. So we'll take these opening few verses to begin with. Verse 1, let us now hear the word of God. I love the way it starts here. And the Lord spake. Oh, may we hear his voice tonight. May the Lord speak to all of our hearts. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tabernacle of the congregation on the first day of the second month in the second year. The very time is written down here when God spoke. May the Lord give us a word tonight. You can go home and write it in your diary. Write the date at the side of the page there when God spoke to you. And you can write in there what he spoke to you about. So we have the time. After they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel, after their families, by the house of their fathers, with the number of their names, every male by their poles, from twenty years old and upward, and all that are able to go forth to war in Israel. Thou and Aaron shall number them by their armies. And with you there shall be a man of every tribe, every one head of the house of his fathers. And these are the names of the men. And we'll end there. We trust that God will be pleased to bless his word tonight. We're just going to have a time of Bible study tonight, thinking about this a particular theme numbered for war set apart for worship the book of numbers continues where the book of Leviticus ends you will know that of course anyway the Israelites were still encamped at Mount Sinai the covenant with God had been made the tabernacle had been built and erected and the worship of God had commenced Now it was time to prepare for the entrance into the promised land, a journey of less than two weeks. It was just then that the Lord spake unto Moses in verse 1. God speaks, and when he does, it is important for us to listen, and it is important for us to learn. Let me say it again. When God speaks, It is important for us to listen and to learn. And you will notice the time when God spoke to Moses. It was one year and two weeks since the exodus of the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. And about ten and a half months since they arrived at Mount Sinai where Moses received the law of God. Verse 1 fixes the time. The first day of the second month of the second year. 
And when you compare this with chapter 40 of the book of Exodus in verse 1, we read there of the first day of the first month. There was therefore one month between the time when the tabernacle was finished and set up and the beginning of Numbers. So there was a month between the end of Exodus and the start of Numbers. The people had been redeemed by God's matchless grace and now the Lord spoke to direct his people. I like that. When God saves us by grace, then he speaks to us to guide us, to direct us in the way we ought to go as his people. And that's exactly what we find here in the word of the Lord. And then we're told here that the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness. So we've highlighted the time when God spoke to Moses. Now we identify the place where Moses spoke, in the wilderness. And sometimes we as the people of God get into a wilderness experience. We get into Bypath Meadow, and it's always good to hear a word from God at times like that. You can look back in your own experience of those times, hard times, difficult times, when the heavens seemed as brass and there seemed to be no way forward. I'm sure you can identify with me in this, can't you? It's always refreshing when God gives to us a word in the wilderness. What a blessing that is to our souls. And then we're told more specifically, he spoke to him in the tabernacle in the wilderness. And the tabernacle, of course, is a wonderful picture or type of the Lord Jesus Christ. I refer you to John 1 verse 14 where we read about the Word. The incarnate Word was made flesh and, what? Dwelt among us. The Word is tabernacled among us. In the Old Testament, we have the shadow. In the New Testament, we have the substance. Or, if you like, in the Old Testament, we have the picture. It's a picture book. When I went to school, they gave me uh, a lesson, a reading book, full of pictures. Uh, and then you have uh, the picture of the dog. I think the dog was called Nip and the cat was called Fluff or some of that uh, along those lines. You can remember that well yourself. Some of you are a lot older than I am. And you can remember these books that you had years and years ago. Picture books. The Old Testament is like a picture book. So you have the picture and then when you come to the New Testament you have the person. The person of Christ. And the Lord speaks to men in the wilderness of this world in and through Jesus Christ. And God continues to speak to his people through Jesus Christ and his word. Now what did God speak to Moses about? That's the thing I want to get out tonight. He spoke to him about three things. And I want to share these three things with you. First of all, he spoke to him about the names of his people. It says, take ye the sum or the census of all the children of Israel. And uh, he tells them to take the number of their names. Verse 2. Now the book of Exodus is the book of, re uh, of redemption. And it begins with a list of names. And redemption is linked with names. And here we have the same thought. Here tonight in the word of God before us. Redemption is linked with names. Now who was Israel? Of course we know who Israel was. His given name was Jacob, the son of Isaac, meaning supplanter or the heel catcher. Now, if someone was catching you by the heel, 
that person would be trying to trip you up. Uh, and Jacob tripped up in that person because he was a supplanter. He was a deceiver. That's the kind of man he was. But God had purposes and grace for this particular man. And God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, prince with God at Peniel. In Genesis chapter 32, verse 28. Now I mentioned before that Jacob had two very unique experiences. God met Jacob at Bethel, meaning the house of God. Genesis chapter 28. But God mastered Jacob at Peniel, which means the face of God, in Genesis chapter 32. Why do I say that? Why do I speak of God mastering Jacob at Peniel? Because God touched him, and God changed his walk forever. And God dealt with the rebel, and God dealt with the prodigal. And that's why I say God mastered him, because his walk was changed. Do we not need to have maybe our walk changed these days that men might see something of the glory of Christ in our hearts? It's a wonderful thing to meet with God face to face when we come to the house of God. Don't miss the point of coming to church. Yes, we come to pray and we come to fellowship with our brethren and sisters. We missed that during the lockdown. It's good to be back, isn't it? It's good to be in the house of God. Good to have a chat at a distance, of course. Got to keep that in mind at a distance. But we come primarily to meet with God. And if you meet with God tonight, and if I meet with God, I'll go home happy, and you'll go home happy. But if we don't, if we fail to meet with God, we will go home sad and miserable, unchanged. What we need tonight is to have a meeting with God. And for God to touch our hearts the way He touched Jacob long ago. That was customary to designate members of the various tribes as the children of the one from whom the tribe originated. So Jacob has been changed to Israel, and that's why his descendants are called the children of Israel. But let's apply this to ourselves. What are we called? We're called Christians, because we're called after our head. You can't spell Christian without Christ in it. And if you leave Christ out, all you're left with is the name I-A-N, Ian. I am nothing without Christ. I'm not a Christian without Christ. That's it. Who were his children then? Well, verses 5 through 16 highlight his children. And you can maybe glance down at them now, but I, I don't want to take a lot of time on this. But let me just say, that 11 of his sons are mentioned here. There's one missing. And I suppose students of the scriptures in this place know who the one that I'm referring to. The one I'm referring to is Levi. He's missing. He's dealt with at the end of the chapter in verses 47 through 54 because the Levites were not given land. The rest of the tribes were. Some on this side of Jordan, some on the other side. They were given 48 cities and suburbs for their cattle. However, Joseph's two sons became the heads of two of the tribes according to verse 10. And Joseph named his two boys Ephraim, meaning fruitful, and Manasseh, meaning forgetting. And in this way, God caused Joseph to forget the past. Those 13 years as a prisoner 
Those 13 years when he was lied about, cheated, and suffering imprisonment and suffering chains, God caused him to forget the past. And then God caused him to be fruitful in the present. You see how God blessed Joseph? God raised him to second command in the land of Egypt. He was there for a purpose, so that at the appointed time, uh, then his people would be led out of that place of bondage. God had him in place. And his divine providence, Joseph may not have understood it when he was a 16, 17-year-old boy, but God had a plan for his life. And the Apostle Paul tells us to forget, forgetting those things that are past, forgetting the, the heartbreak and the, the sorrows and the disappointments with other people and ourselves, forgetting the things that are past. Let us press on. Let's move on from this. Move on with God. There'll be someone here tonight. The time has come for you to move on. The time has come for you to get rid of that, whatever it is you're struggling with. Time to move on. Press on with God that you might receive the blessing of God. A child of God who is, expect, who is receiving the blessing of God, people will see that blessing. There will be evidence of that. So you leave out Joseph, and you leave out Levi, and that leaves you with ten. And then you have Joseph's two sons, and you're back to twelve. These names are important, you see. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, the Lord told his disciples to rejoice. Listen, listen to what it says. Because your names are written in heaven. Now, take a moment to reflect on this. As you sit in your pew tonight, you are known by name in heaven. And that makes you more important than a billionaire. Your name is known in heaven. He calleth his own sheep by name. And the, the old shepherd, and they still do it to this, this very day. The shepherd has a particular name for each of his sheep. And that's the way God looks upon his people. He's the great shepherd. And he calls us by his name and he leadeth us out. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus who came to Jesus. We know his name. But then in the next chapter, there cometh a woman of Samaria. We don't know her name. But the Lord you are named. The Lord counted her in. We don't know all the redeemed of God, but the Lord knows every one of his people. Now, there were some people who received a double call. For example, Abraham, Abraham. Why did God do that? Well, it proved to be an effectual call, but that, that's not all. Initially, he was Abram, A-B-R-A-M. And God changed his name, added something to his name, the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is He, and it means a window. There's a window, okay. Quite a number of windows. What does a window do? It lets light down. Five in the Bible is a number of grace. So God came to Abram, and he added the letter to his name. And God showed grace to Abraham by giving him more light. God didn't reveal all of his plan to Abram when he called him. He, he gradually revealed his mind and his will. God in his grace gave this man light, more light. And that's how God works in our hearts and lives. He 
Give us more light with the passing of time. We don't know it all yet. We might never know it all. But he is revealing things to us little by little, guided us step by step through this barren wilderness. Hallelujah. So the one that and the light. Sarah also had her name changed. The same letter was added to her name as well. Then, then you have another double name. Moses, Moses. The first thing that uh, God ever said to uh, Moses was not put off thy shoes. Some people may think that was the first thing he said, but the first thing he said to Moses was, Moses, Moses. He called him by his name. He knew Moses. He called him by his name. Now, by the way, Moses was what we would call here a pensioner, but I like the way uh, the, the term pensioners over in the States, they call them senior citizens. And you know what? If you go into a restaurant there, you get 10%, maybe 15% off if you're a senior citizen. So I just love to be called a senior citizen. Some places, you get it for uh, at the age of 55. And I'm sure a lot of people in Korean would be longing to go for a holiday to Florida to get 15 or 20% off if you're 55. Moses, 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 Moses. He was a senior citizen, 80 years of age. And God knew his name. And then when you come to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, God spoke to Samuel. Now Samuel was a boy. I don't know exactly what age he was, but maybe six or seven, maybe around that age, when God called him. And he came and he said, Samuel, Samuel. He called him by his name at least five times. And the final time was a double call, an effectual call. It was night, and Samuel was in the dark, you see. And he heard this voice from heaven, Samuel, Samuel. And it proved to be an effectual call because Samuel then responded to the Lord. Prior to that, he was responding to Eli. He didn't know any better. He was in the dark, you see. Samuel, Samuel. Simon, Simon. He was a man who failed. He failed the Lord. And yet the Lord called him. And after his resurrection, remember what he said to uh, Mary Magdalene. Go and tell Peter the name that he had changed from Simon to Peter. Go and tell him. Don't forget Peter. He, he's in a bad way. He, he failed me and he failed me miserably. He's in a bad way. Go and tell Peter. Tell him. I remember him. I remember his name, Peter. Not Simon. Tell Peter the new name. He needed encouragement. Do you need encouragement tonight? Well, that's what I'm here for, to encourage you in the Lord. To let you get a glimpse of the greatness of God and the wonder of our Savior and to let you know what we can experience day by day as the children of God. He careth for you. Saul, Saul, there's a man fighting against God, subdued by grace. And he had his name changed from Saul to Paul. Simon was changed to Peter. Levi, meaning joined, he was joined to a sin. And the Lord saved him and gave him another beautiful name, Matthew, meaning the gift of God. I'm not just a number. I'm a name. I am his. And he is mine. And child of God, think about this for a moment. Isaiah says in chapter 49, verse 1, The Lord hath called me from the womb. Listen to it. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. Before I was ever born, he knew my name. 
After the American Civil War, the managers of the infamous Louisiana Lottery approached uh, Robert E. Lee and asked if he, if he would let them use his name in their scheme. And they promised him a lot of money. Uh, he would become rich if, if he consented to that. Astounded, at Lee straightened up, buttoned his grey coat, and shouted, Gentlemen, I lost my home in the war. I lost my fortune in the war. I lost everything except my name. And my name is not for sale. And if you fellas don't get out of here, I'll break this crutch over your heads. I wouldn't do a thing like that, but this is what he did. We need to maintain our good name. Now, I haven't finished. I've just come to the end of, of this first uh, point here tonight. I've got to leave it. It's time to come to pray. But keep this in mind, that the Lord knows your name. He knows everything about you. He wants you to feel free in the prayer meeting tonight. Don't be intimidated by the preacher or anybody else sitting in front of you, behind you, or round about you. Maybe you've never prayed publicly before. Now, you can begin tonight. You can write it down in the side of your Bible. I began to pray publicly tonight. And you know what? That would encourage me. That would encourage everybody else in this prayer meeting. And I want to tell you something. It will encourage you. I can remember one night in Ballygown, many years ago, a godly woman uh, in the church who had a Reformed Presbyterian background. And she'd never prayed publicly in a meeting before. A godly woman, a lovely woman. She's now with the Lord. And uh, I decided one night I would do something I'd never done before. And uh, I decided to pass around a hymn book. I, one of the elders thought, well, that was a chancy thing to do. But I, I was convinced this was the right thing to do. And it was, by the way. Normally you'd have had maybe six or seven people praying. The first night, uh, the hymn book was put around. There were 15, 16 people praying. I, I didn't give it to anybody who wouldn't normally pray. I wouldn't do that. But I gave it to uh, the first person that I knew, sitting up front, say, uh, this is a man who knew how to pray. And I just said, when you finish, you pass it to the next one. If you don't want to pray, pass it on. And it went round, and uh, 15, 16 people prayed. And the woman told me when I went out to visit her, she said, when I received the handbook that night, I didn't know what to do. My heart began to pound. And I, I just felt I needed to pray. And for the first time in my life, I prayed publicly. You know what happened? I didn't have to give her a hymn book any other night. Every time we pray, had a prayer meeting, she was sure to enter in. Transformed her life. And she prayed. And you know something? There was a melting experience came over the prayer meeting. God came down. We need prayer meetings like this. We need to get down to business with God. Days are desperate. The situation is terrible at the moment. We need God to intervene. Let's pray that God will come down tonight and touch all of our hearts, touch the preacher's heart, touch your heart, and pray. Now, you may just use a couple of sentences. You might just 
say, Lord, save my husband, my wife, my son, my daughter. That's okay. I'll say amen. That's all everybody else. It doesn't have to be long to be powerful. It can be short. You read sometime through the Bible and underline the short prayers that God heard and answered prayer. Peter, Lord, save me. And so on. So we want to talk to God now. I want to talk to him now. And let's get down to our time of prayer. Let's all pray together. Father in heaven, we thank thee tonight that prayer does change things. But prayer also changes us. And we pray for that change tonight. Take away the fear of man. And give us that liberty to pray. That heart overflowing with the joy of the Lord. That we might venture forth by faith to speak with our God. Just the way Moses did on different occasions. The way others spoke to thee. May we talk to our Heavenly Father right now. And tell him the things that he knows about. Things heavy upon our hearts. But he wants us to tell him about it. So give us that grace right now. And may there be a good steady chain of believing prayer rising up to heaven's throne. When my voice is silent, may the Holy Ghost come to lead us. And may we rejoice that our names are written down in heaven. Continue with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody else please lead us in prayer. <clears throat>